Well, good morning. Uh, it's really good to see you this morning. My name is Steve Cunningham. I get the opportunity to uh, to be the lead pastor here at Wellhouse. It truly uh, is an honor. I, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Uh, my family and I, we got to move here, all eight of us. Uh, we just bring a big old tribe. Uh, that's why you haven't invited us over to your house. You know, you're like, I don't even know what to do with that, where we would put you all. Uh, that's okay. Um, we 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 find it to be an honor to be here. Um, there's something sacred uh, about kind of letting go and letting God direct you. Uh, and for some of us, that can be a little bit scary process. I'll be honest with you. Uh, that's that's true for me too. As uh, as a pastor, that can be scary to just say, "All right, God, wherever you want to take me, and whatever you want to do with me, I'm good with." Because uh, sometimes I don't always feel that way. And so if you feel that way too, uh, we're in good company together. But we do really appreciate that. I want to let you know that um, I get to serve alongside some of the best people. Our, our staff, our lead team, our shepherds are committed to the mission of Wellhouse. They're committed to more than just the, the mission of Wellhouse. They're committed to Christ, which really matters deeply to us. Uh, and you may not know this, uh, maybe you do, that every week our leadership prays for you. And many of you over the course of weeks and months and now years, many of you, you've submitted prayer requests to them. Uh, maybe it's through a text or maybe it's through an email when they reach out every week or maybe it's just individually you've sought them out. And that's something they're committed to every week praying for you. And so I'm so grateful to get to be able to work alongside of people who are committed to Christ and who are committed to his people. And so I count that as a, a true blessing. We are going through uh, a series together. In fact, next week we're kind of wrapping up this series, but I hope it's been meaningful to you if you joined us on this journey. Uh, if, if you haven't been able to, you missed a couple, I'll let you know this, this series is all about trying to make the scary things in life less scary. Uh, I mentioned to you before that uh, when I was a kid, I grew up and you know, haunted houses were kind of intimidating for me. And my dad used to, with his work buddies, would put on a big haunted haunted house every year near uh, Halloween time. And so he took me through in the light he, with all the lights on and he guided me through so that I was kind of prepared for all the things that would kind of jump out and scare me. And it was amazing how once I had seen those things in the light, it just wasn't as scary anymore. And so that's what the whole idea of this sermon haunted is, is that there's things that are just, they just come about in our life. It could be depression, we talked about that, or regret or resentment. Last week we talked about addiction and how all those things can feel super scary, especially in light of church, right, where we feel like, man, everybody else has got it together. Nobody else is dealing with depression there. Nobody else is dealing with resentment there. Nobody else is dealing with any kind of addiction there, but the truth of the matter is that's not true. And so how do, we, how do we look at that? How do we deal with that? And how do we shed light on those things so that we can walk alongside of each other and they just don't seem quite as haunting anymore? Today we're going to be wrestling through the topic of doubt. 
but before we do that, I want to play a quick game with you. And for some of you, are like, we're going to play a game at church. And I just want to remind you, you walked into a roller skating rink. So this is on you if it comes by a surprise, not on me. Here we go. I'm going to show you some pictures. And this is what I want you to do. If you think it's a real photo, if you think it's a real photo, raise your hand. If you think it's fake, keep your hand down. Here we go. First photo. First photo. Here we go. Is this a real photo? If it's a real photo, raise your hand. If you, if you think it's fake, keep it down. All right, so we're about half and half there. This photo is actually real. It's a lenticular cloud. If you've ever lived in the mountains, you've probably seen clouds like this, and they, and they kind of stack up layer form. It's super cool. I've never seen any clouds like that in real life, but I kind of want to, but that's, that's a really neat photo. Okay, number two, again, if you, this time, if you think it's, if it's real, raise your hand. If you think it's not real, keep your hand down. Real or fake? What do you think? Real, raise your hand. Fake, keep it down. This time we have two, three, four people who think it's real. The rest of you think it's fake. It's actually real. It's actually real. This is a sculpture. It is in New Zealand, and the sculpture is called Horizons. Horizons. And it's made to look like this optical illusion, but it's actually real. Check it out. You can, you can look it up. It's called Horizons. It's in New Zealand. It's really, really cool. I know. Hard to believe, isn't it? All right, last one. Here we go. If you think it's real, raise your hand. If you think it's fake... Leave your hand down. This time we're, yeah, we're still, uh, the people who think it's real are still low numbers here. This is actually a real photograph of a dog, but it's just an interesting perspective. The dog does not look real, but he's coming at you, bro. He is coming at you. I don't know about you, but it's things like this that begin to make me doubt some things that I see on the internet. All those photos, by the way, real which I find interesting because sometimes we're presented with real things that don't seem real at all. And then other times we're presented with things that are totally fake, that are made to make us think that it's real. And in, what I found is that in this life, especially in our society now, man, it's so hard to tell what's real and what's not is that we become skeptical of just about everything. Been there before? Where all of a sudden we just kind of build up walls so that nobody, uh, nobody kind of catches us off guard. We don't kind of get, get lost holding the bag and realizing that we were the butt of somebody else's joke. Doubt can do that. That's why it's so important for us to wrestle through doubt. There's some common things about doubt. There's some truths about doubt that I think as we begin to wrestle with this topic that we just need to be aware of. The first one is this, that the feeling of doubt is often more natural than faith. The feeling of doubt is often more natural than faith is. And for some of you who have tried to delve into a relationship with God, you've wrestled with this. It's been hard because you're like, man, I want to believe but man, there's so many questions. It's so hard. I, I, I want to have more faith, but man, it's difficult. It's one of the reasons why I love a story in the Bible. You might remember the story. Maybe you never heard it before. But God encounters this, this man who has a young child, and the young child has been tormented with this illness, this disease. In fact, we find out through the scripture that it's not just, just an illness that he's dealing with. He's, he's actually been possessed by a demon. 
And this demon has been tormenting him. And so the father uh, has an interaction with Jesus. And, and Jesus said, listen, do you believe that I can heal your son? He goes, I believe that <laughs> help my unbelief. And man, have I ever been there before? It's like, listen, God, I want to believe. I, I, I really, truly do. But man, sometimes it is so tough. There's so much in the world that causes me such skepticism. And so we have to understand that the feeling of doubt is often more natural than the feeling of faith. That and the idea that we don't always know everything. Now, I know you're tempted to kind of poke your partner or your child nearby and say, did you just hear that statement? You don't know everything. But there's always more to learn. Have you found that, that the older you get, you're like, man, I thought I knew it all in my teenage years, in my 20s, in my 30s. In my... But now that I'm getting older, I realize there's a whole lot more to learn in life. And that sometimes in us produces doubt. The second thing is this, is that your faith doesn't have to be 100% certain in order for it to be valid. This is critical. Because this can be, if you don't understand this point, it may cripple you in your relationship with God. Your faith doesn't have to be 100% certain in order for it to be valid. We're going to look at some stories today, and, and I won't get too much into those just yet, but I'll tell you this. Jesus over and over and over and over again says, listen, if you have faith even the size of a mustard seed, you'd be surprised what can happen, which tells me that's not a whole lot, but God says he can use it. And that's good news for you and I because sometimes we feel like, listen, there's no way I can fully, I can't go from zero to a thousand. I need, I need to have this relationship where I trust a little bit more and God meets me there and I trust a little bit more. God meets me there. And I don't know if I can just jump all in with this thing. And what I want to let you know is your faith doesn't have to be 100% in order for it to be valid there's a part where you say, listen, all right, God, I'm going to trust you for today. I'm going to give you just a little bit, and, and I know that you're going to meet me in this space right here. Love when we read these scriptures about Peter walking on the water or the disciples who were about to drown. Do you remember Jesus' words to them? And they, they sound critical, but they're not. You remember what he says? Those of you who have read those stories before, Jesus walking, or Peter walking on the water, Jesus and the disciples in the boat. Remember what he says to them? Oh, you of little faith. And here's the people who are getting ready to, to launch the church. And we would think, all right, these have to be like faith powerhouses. These have to be the people who are completely sold out, 100%. They're all in. They have no doubts at all. And he says, no, 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 no. Let me put it in perspective. Little faith. Not 100%. Little faith. So you don't have to have 100% certainty in order for your faith to be valid. The third thing is this. Most people who have a faith crisis or a crisis of faith weren't looking for it. This is so easy, I think, in the past for the church to condemn people who, who go through some kind of crisis of faith and they, they begin to, this, this word has become popular, we're going to talk about it more in the coming months, but begin to deconstruct their faith. And we look at them, we say, man, what are you doing? 
Why, why are you doing this? Why, why would you dismantle these important things in life? And what I found out is, is over time is that these people were never looking for a crisis of faith. They were never looking to intentionally deconstruct their faith, but they found through crisis and hardships and uncertainties. They found through death, disease, divorce, that their faith was challenged. In fact, it's through these times that we often begin to, and again, it's natural to begin to question our faith. The last thing that I think is a truth about doubt is that the most common doubts we have are not related to whether God is real, but rather if God can be trusted with what truly matters to us. It's not a matter as if God's real. In fact, what we found throughout uh, our, our nation as a whole is that most people do still believe that God is real. They're just not sure that he can be trusted with things like politics. They're not sure that he can be trusted to move through things like a church. They're not sure that he can be trusted in things where we kind of have to lay down our desires, our wants, our needs, so that he will intervene in his own will. These are the areas where we begin to doubt the most. The disappointments and the unmet expectations. The ways in which God sometimes tells us no. Or even worse, sometimes when we're left waiting, and then subtly, doubt begins to creep in. Can I get personal with you for a moment? Is that all right? Perfect. Amy's in. The rest of you are like, I'm not sure yet. I doubt where you're going with this whole thing. That's okay. You know, Wellhouse was started almost eight years ago. And we're right back in the same place that we started. And for some of you, it's new. And others of you... It's not. And you had hoped a long time ago that things would look different. And they don't. And for some of you, doubt has crept in. And this is the hardest area. You don't doubt that God is real, but you sometimes maybe doubt that God can be trusted in the things that you care about the most. See, these doubts can have a crippling effect on our hope. And that's why it's so important to address the issue of doubt. To call it out, to, to be uh, understanding and appreciate where doubts come from. To be real and expose them for what they are. And then to begin to walk through them ever so slowly until we see the faithfulness of God and the yeses and the noes and in the in-betweens. Today I want to look at three short stories with you. I wish I had a whole lot more time, uh, but Chris said a four-hour sermon today was not right, so we won't do that. Somebody's like, God bless Chris. <laughs> Pay that man more. 
The first story that happens uh, is in Luke chapter 7. If you want to open up there, you can. But it starts by, with a, a guy named John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, uh, his whole life is kind of anointed in the way of leading to Jesus and, and his life. And so that's his whole life's work wrapped up to that. It, it's prophesied about even before he was born that he's to pave the way for Jesus. And in fact, he gets this this auto word from the Lord as he baptizes Jesus, right, that the Spirit of God descends down like a dove, and we're told that John hears these words, this is my son whom I love, in him I am well pleased, listen to him. That is John. John dedicates his whole life to, to being outside in the desert, eating locusts, honey, he dresses like a crazy person. That's his whole life leading up to talking about Jesus, who he is, what he's come to do. But yet John finds himself in a prison cell towards the end of his life, and he understands that he's never getting out alive. He's upset the wrong person. He's upset the authorities. And now he knows his life is on the line. He's about to die in prison. And so he, he sends a message from his disciples to Jesus' disciples. And we find that these, this is the question that he asked. It's in Luke chapter 7, verse 19. He says, he sent them to the Lord. He sent them to Jesus, his followers, sent to Jesus' followers. And he says this, are you the one to come or should we expect someone else? Now, this is the one who heard the words of the Lord, right? This is my son with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. This is his whole life's work wrapped up right here. But this is not how he expected things to go. See, he didn't think that he would be sitting in a jail cell, rotting away. He didn't expect that his life would end with his beheading. He probably thought somewhere along the way, Jesus is going to roll in. And with that, I'm probably going to be put maybe in second command or at least treated well. But I didn't expect to die alone in a dungeon for the thing that I was called my life's work to be. And I think there's an important understanding that happens through through John's doubt that doubts surface when we face life crises when we go through a life crisis man doubts begin to serve you've been there before You've had to make hard decisions. You've had to do hard things. You walked through some times that, man, they were super tough. And maybe you didn't question whether God was real, but you questioned, man, can I trust him anymore? Because it seems like I'm out here on my own. Is he as good as he said he is? Because, man, this hurts an awful lot. And I just don't know if I trust the way that I used to. What's interesting about this is that Jesus responds. Listen to his response back to the disciples in verse 21. He says, uh, at that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, uh, diseases, diseases, that's not right, diseases, <laughs> yeah, it's like a sneeze and a disease, I don't know, uh, sicknesses and evil spirits. And he gave sight to many who were blind, and so he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive sight, 
The lame walk, those who have leprosy were cleansed. The deaf hear, the, deaf, the dead are raised. The good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is uh, anyone who does not stumble on account of me. What does Jesus respond? Man, I'm moving and I'm shaking, John, but don't fall away if I don't intervene in your life crisis. And I don't know about you, but man, there's something inside of me that I'm like, but wait, John, Jesus goes on to say, man, there is nobody better, uh, born of woman that, that is better than John. And John doubts. There's this other story. It's one of the followers of Jesus. Remember, he has 12 people who, who follow him around. They listen to his teachings, and, and they gain wisdom from him. And then on their shoulders, the, the church is, is birthed, right? And one of those people, his name is Thomas. And if you know anything about Thomas, then you know him by his nickname. It's an unfair nickname, but if you know it, then you go ahead and say it. You know, doubting Thomas, right? And that's unfair because there's one point, there's a story in the Bible where, where Jesus is going to head to an area where they tried to kill him before. If you remember this story, it's right around the time that Lazarus has died. And so he says, I'm going to go back there to, to show you all I am, who I say I am. And Thomas, above everybody else, says that, you know, listen, they're going to kill you. And, he's, and Jesus says, I'm going there anyway. And he tells the rest of the clan, all right, we're going to go die with him. Now, Thomas isn't named like loyal Thomas, right? Thomas is named doubting Thomas, and there's a reason why. Jesus is killed. He's crucified on the cross, right? He's buried in a tomb, and nobody at that time, this is crucial, nobody, even his closest believers at the time, thought he was going to be raised from the dead. At the moment where Jesus breathed his last, there were no Christ followers, this is important. This is where Thomas falls in the equation, right? He believes dead people stay dead, and we typically do too, <laughs> right? You, when you show up to a, to a funeral home, when you show up to a viewing, uh, anything like that, if somebody pops up out of the coffin, you would have a heart, they would be getting a coffin for you. Because we expect dead people to stay dead, and that's exactly where Thomas is. So Thomas says, listen, there is no way in the world I saw what happened to Jesus. I heard what happened to Jesus. I know he was put in the tomb. So unless I see it, I won't believe it. John chapter 20 says this. Thomas, also known as Didymus, this is verse 24 of John 20. One of the 12 was not with the disciples when Jesus came, when he came back from the dead. So the other disciples told him, I'm telling you, we have seen the Lord. He is alive. But he said to them, listen, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and I put my finger where the nails were and I put my hand into his side, see, I saw all the things that happened to him. I'm, I know what you're telling me. You saw him alive, but what I saw, I saw the nails that went into his hands. And I saw the sword that went to his, his side. He says, until I see those things and I touch those things, I will not believe. So a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. A whole week has passed. And through the, though the doors were blocked, Jesus came and stood among them. And he says, peace be with you. And then he goes over to Thomas specifically. 
And he says, put your finger here and see my hands. And reach out your hand and put it to my side. You can stop doubting and believe. Thomas says to him, my Lord and my God. This is critical. Thomas is, is in this place of saying, you know what? Until I see it firsthand, until I experience it firsthand, I just can't believe it. And I don't know, maybe you have been there before. Maybe you're, you're with somebody who's been there before. Maybe you're wrestling with a child who, who is, is there now, whatever it is. Like, I just, I can't, there's something I just cannot get over. I, I, I can't get past this one doubt that I have. And here's what's amazing is, as the church typically, we've taken those people who say, well, this is not for you, or you're going to have to come to this conclusion on your own, or whatever it is in Jesus. And no, 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 no. The way I treat this is, come here. Come here. I'm not calling you out. I'm calling you in. I'm calling you to further look at things. See, sometimes, in the case of Thomas, that doubts surface in areas we can't control. Man, if Thomas could have before, before uh, Jesus was crucified, he was like, listen, I'll die with the man. But there's some things I can't get over. And I saw what happened to Jesus. I couldn't control it. It was beyond what I could do. And so I can't, I can't believe. It's beyond what I can control. And therefore, I have doubts. For some of you, the doubts have sur surfaced because of things in your life you just can't control. You've wrestled through issues over and over again, and they're outside of the things you got. And so you just question, man, is God ever going to intervene in this? Can God do anything in this? And I've waited, and I've waited, and I've prayed, and, I pray, and I've been faithful for years and years and years. And man, I've just never seen it. It's outside of the thing that I can control. So I just don't know that I can trust in God. And what I want to tell you is God is faithful in your doubt. That he doesn't push you away, even if you find yourself slowly pushing him away. That he will continually call you and say, listen, check and see. If you doubt, here I am. The third story I want to tell you gives me hope. All of these stories I love, but man, this one to me, I don't know why. It's just stuck out to me since I was a teenager reading the Bible and studying through things. And it was like nobody ever addressed this verse, and I really wanted them to because, man, it just seems so powerful. It's this moment at the end of Matthew. If you have your Bible, you can flip on over to Matthew chapter 28. But Jesus is getting ready to end his time with uh, his disciples here on earth. He's getting ready to ascend back to heaven. And so he's kind of gearing them up. He's already died. He's, he's been resurrected. He spent some time with them, and now he's going to leave them. And so it's this pinnacle moment. They're all there together, right? And it's right before he ascends. It's right before this thing that we call the Great Commission. It says this, verse 16. The 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. And underline this verse, but some doubted. Now, I don't know about you, but that verse sometimes is astounding to me. 
They have seen miracles from Jesus. They have watched his life. It's been congruent the whole time, right? Jesus without flaws, God in a bod. It's just true. Now you'll remember that. They've watched him die, come back to life, and live life with them again. There's no fault found in him. There's never a time when he wasn't what he said he was. There's never a time when he, you know, when he, when he uh, acted in a way that was not who he said he was. And yet as they gather around, they say, it says, listen, I need, I need you to know something. We all gathered around to worship, but if I'm being honest, as Matthew writes, some of us doubted. And I want you to think about that because Jesus getting ready to say, listen, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to, to me, and now I give that to you, so go out and, and make disciples, baptize people, teach them about me in my name. It's the start of the church, and it's resting on the shoulders now, of course, empowered by the Holy Spirit, but it's resting on the shoulders of these people who are gathered around worshiping and doubting. And I don't know what their doubts were. I could speculate with you, that with you all day long about what exactly was it, what it was that they were doubting, but I have a theory. My theory is that they knew what was coming next. See, Jesus had kind of prepped them, listen, I'm going to leave, and I'm going to give one who's better than me, but until I leave, you're not going to get the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is going to guide you in all truth, and the, the Holy Spirit is going to convict you when you need convicting. Someone was like, I don't like that part of it. All right, and the Holy Spirit is going to empower you, and the Holy Spirit is going to guide you in truth, and that's okay for us. He says, but listen, i got to leave, and so they know Jesus is leaving. In fact, he tells them this, and he also tells them, hey, listen, now it's you. Now you live that out. Now the things that I taught you, I want you to not just hear them. I don't want you to just believe in them. I want you to do them. How many of you all have ever sat through like a series or a teaching or you read a book or you were at a small group and you're like, whew, man, listen, that's, that's heavy. And man, that's some stuff I need. I really, really need to start like, I need to start living my faith out. I know those things. But then you like walk out the door like, I can't do it. Been there before? Am I the only one? Okay. For a minute, I thought maybe it was just me. See, I think their doubt surfaced when they felt inadequate. Their doubt surfaced when they felt like they weren't up for the task. It's like, no, no, no. This would be great if it was like, if we had, you know, Paul here, who was kind of the evangel. That would be amazing. And man, listen, I remember some people that I grew up with, and they were like spiritual giants. They were prayer wars. Man, these people, they were great. But listen, it's me, and I struggle with all kinds of things. I have all kinds of weaknesses, and so I'm pretty sure, like, if God was going to work through somebody, it wouldn't be me. And so I think that day as they gathered around Jesus, and they're like, Jesus, you're great, and we're terrible. Jesus, you, you, I mean, like, you do things wonderfully, and we kind of we still don't get most of the things you were talking about. Jesus, we realize that you want us to start the church, but there, there were so many parables, Jesus, that you said, and we're still like, huh? 
Jesus, listen, you could do miracles, and we, we're kind of like bumbling idiots. And I think that this thing is doomed to fail if you leave. They did not get that, see, the power of Christ didn't need their adequacy. See, Jesus doesn't need you to be perfect in order to work through him. He shows the examples of that over and over and over again. One of the most humbling things about ministry, one of the most humbling things about preaching is that there are times, most of the time, almost all the time, I get to preach about things that I am not good at. And you may think, oh man, Steve has so many wonderful things to say about this or that. He must, man, he must be an amazing prayer warrior. Man, he must be an amazing spouse or amazing dad. Man, he must be an amazing Christian. The truth of the matter is, man, that, I have doubts too. I struggle too. I'm, 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 sometimes I'm quick-tempered. Some, there's areas of my life that, man, they just don't measure up. But that's the amazing thing about God. So we don't have to doubt the fact that he can work through, get this, imperfect people. Yes. Truly, thank God. So how do we overcome? You're like, I get it. I have tons of doubts. I'm, I'm right there with you. What do I do with that? And I think the first thing is that we have to take an example from the early Christians. Because if you begin to read it from, from front to end, if you read from Genesis to Revelation, what you'll find is over and over and over and over again, these heroes of faith tell you through their own words, their own experiences, that they weren't equipped for the task. And I think there's something to be said for that. See, I believe the first step in overcoming doubt is to be honest about and specific about our doubts. That this is a safe place where we can say, you know, man, here is an area of my life where I'm just not sure. I'm just wrestling. I don't understand it. But sometimes in church where we're like, mm, can I say that there? And I want to let you know this. Wellhouse is a safe space. Amazing thing. Let me tell you something. There's an amazing story over and over that happens in the Bible where the sinners, the tax collectors, the the prostitutes, the, the outcasts of the society, they, they, like, they were around Jesus and they felt safe. And our goal here at Wellhouse is to Im be imitators of Christ, like dearly loved children. Those of you who have children, you'll know you, they go through this stage where they want to be just like it's short-lived. <laughs> it's very short-lived. Then they're like, you? Ugh. But for a little bit. They want to be, they want to imitate you. They want to do things the way that, that you do them. And as we're called to be the church, he says, listen, be imitators of Christ like dearly loved children. That when we see our Father in heaven do something, we're like, oh, man, I want to do that too. I want to do it too. This is every example in the Bible, we, fall, we find people who say, listen, I doubted. We doubted. We were on the ship. Don't, don't forget to write this part. We doubted. And, and Jesus had to say, listen, why are you doubting? Come on. And remember that time, Peter, when you walked out on the water and you doubted? Don't forget to leave out the part. Listen, it was cool, the water walking part, but don't forget the part where you doubted. Yeah, I doubted. 
We got to put that part in there. Hey, listen, can we tell this story about Moses where he doubted? Sure, because that's a part of our life. That's a part of our faith. And until we're honest and specific about our doubts, we'll never overcome them. The second thing is this, don't allow your own doubt to count you out. Don't allow your own doubt to count you out. Some of you are like, man, I'm not sure about this whole church thing. Well, why don't you just keep showing up and figure it out? I'm not sure about this whole God thing. Okay, well, keep searching. See what you find along the way. See, if you, if you allow your doubt to count you out, you'll be out before you get started. Our own doubt in our life sometimes prevents us from having the breakthrough that we need. Almost all of the followers of God, in fact, I can't figure out one in the Bible yet that didn't have a doubt about God at some point, but God still used them. That's the amazing thing about standing on the mountain, right? As they worshiped him, you know Jesus knew that some of them doubted. And he didn't say, whoa, whoa, I called you all here because I was going to start the church and commission you in this great commission. But about four of y'all are having some serious doubts. So y'all are going to have to leave and I'll give it to the rest of you. Not what happened. God says, I'll use the doubters. Their doubt doesn't count them out in my book. Number three, surround yourself with people who feed your faith, not your fear. I used to be a youth minister uh, until I got old. Uh, you get so many gray hairs, then they're like, you have, to, you have to do something else. And I was like, I guess I'll preach. I don't know what else to do. Um, and I used to tell the, the teens over and over again that you, if I, can, if I meet your friends, I can tell you your future. If I meet your friends, I can tell you your future because the people that we hang around enough eventually rub off on us. And in this culture and in this day and age, man, there's so many people who want to be experts on so many things. And in an infor- we live in an information age, which I find interesting because I don't want any more information. I want wisdom. I don't know about you. I don't want any more information. I want to be surrounded by people who understand information from wisdom. That sometimes the wisest thing we can do is to be quiet. Jesus models this so often. And I think it's important for us as we wrestle through doubts to surround ourselves with people who are feeding our faith. That's why being involved in a house group is so important. Some of you, you're involved in a house group. Others of you, you haven't made that commitment yet, but I'm telling you, it is life-changing when you get in community with people who will help you in your doubts, when you're open and honest and sharing those things with them. The last thing I think that, uh, that we look at as we overcome doubts is this. When doubt makes it hard to see where God is working, look for where the light is shining. When doubt makes it hard to see where God is working, look for where the light is shining. I don't know about you, but there have been seasons, long seasons of my life where, man, I was like, all right, God, where are you at? And there have been difficulties in my life where it's like, all right, God, I need you to show up. I need you to show. And he didn't show up. And I'm like, all right, God, man, you let me down. And sometimes it kind of reflects what John the Baptist is like, all right, listen, are you the one to come? Or is it somebody else we should expect? And do you remember Jesus' words? 
He says, go back and tell John what you see and what you hear. And sometimes for us, what we need to do is to stop looking internally. Say, all right, God, where are you working here? I need you to work in this spot right now. But instead, we kind of look out and we say, all right, God is still moving here. And God's still moving here. And God's still moving here. I don't know about you, but sometimes in my life, I need that reminder to know that God's still active and present in the world, even when I'm struggling in my own faith and my own doubts. Today, we don't do this often, but today, if doubt is wrestling through your mind, and it may not be doubt of God, but it may be doubt in a situation, then I want you to know you're not alone. Today, in a moment, we're going to uh, we're going to play a special song. It's a song that's wrestling through this. This understanding of, man, there's times where, God, I need you. And I don't know where you are, but I'm going to choose to trust even when it doesn't feel like you're here. And if you'd like some prayers during that time, I encourage you, grab somebody near you. You can come up front. I would love to pray with you. We have shepherds who would love to pray with you. But we don't want you to leave this space without being surrounded by somebody who says, it's okay to doubt and walk with God at the same time. So we're going to do that and play that here in just a moment. But I want to end with this blessing for you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and give you peace. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and present you before his glorious presence without fault and with tremendous joy, May you be swept away in God's love for you and transformed through the Holy Spirit's power within you. Thanks be to God, the only Savior, who is unparalleled and unchanging, who is matchless and merciful, who is supreme and sufficient, who is before all things, through all things, and in all things, both now and forever. Amen. If you need prayer, please come forward. Grab a hand as we play this song for you today.